welcome to episode 109 of the Gluttons for Punishment podcast, or GFP, a Toronto Maple Leafs and NHL podcast hosted by Michael Lepore and Anthony Bruno. Thank you so much for listening and watching us on YouTube as well. NHL free agency is well underway and the Toronto Maple Leafs have made some big splashes. They've also made a couple questionable signings as well, but we are going to go over everything that the Leafs have done so far in free agency, signing Ryan Reeves, John Klingberg, Max Domi, and Tyler Bertuzzi. We're also going to discuss if we're sad to see any of the Leafs free agents leave, like Ryan O'Reilly and Michael Bunting. And then we also got to talk about the Austin Matthews and William Nylander contract situations. It feels like this is a never-ending thing, <laughs> and I hope it's wrapped up at some point soon. But we are going to get into all that. And before we do, it is officially time to welcome in my partner in crime, Mr. Michael Lepore. How you doing, man? Anthony Bruno, doing very well. As always, happy to be here. It has been an absolute scorcher here in uh, your nation's capital. Got my card today. The reading was plus 38. I don't know if that's because it's like the temperature. I don't know if it's the temperature in the car because obviously your car gets hot. But man, it is so gross out there. You cannot even like go for a walk straight up. You can't breathe out there. Is it like that in Toronto? It has been like that the last little bit. And you know what? I'm not one to complain about hot weather because I hate the people who complain about the heat. (laughs) But when you can't even go out for a walk and it's hard to breathe, yeah, that's where I that's where I draw the line. Yeah, uh, it's Ottawa, right? Because we have horrible winters. You never want to complain about summer. Oh, it's too hot. It's like, shut up. You want 30 centimeters of snow and uh, minus 35. But in this case, it's definitely worth a complaint because you can't do anything. You can't enjoy it. So it's all right. We'll try Mother not nature. to complain too much. I, Mother I would much nature. rather have the heat than having horribly cold weather with, as you said, 20 mm-hmm. centimeters of snow. So yeah. all right, man. Let's uh let's jump right into this. The free nice agency stuff. episode. People have been yelling at us in our previous videos. Why haven't you posted your reaction to the free agent signings the Leafs have made? Can everyone just chill the hell out, please? <laughs> we have lives and we didn't forget about you and we didn't forget about what the Leafs have done in free agency, but we are here right now and we're going to talk about it. So let's start with Ryan Reeves Lapore. Okay. This signing caused the most stir. Yeah. I think it's safe to say three years, Mm -hmm. average annual value of 1.35 million. Mm -hmm. He is 36 years old. He's turning 37 in January. He's barely going to play every night. The guy's going to play eight, nine minutes a night. Maybe that's a little bit too high and he's going to hit some people and he's going to maybe change the culture in the dressing room. I heard him talk in his interview that they post on like the Leafs YouTube channel and things like that. And he was talking about how he's that guy who likes to bring the team together. Mm-hmm. And he immediately comes into a new dressing room because he's played for a lot of teams. And he says he starts chirping people. People start chirping him. He gets really comfortable with the guys when they're on the road. He likes organizing the team dinners, making sure everybody's involved. But is that worth $1.35 million a year? Maybe it is because the Leafs maybe haven't had that type of guy to rally the troops and change the culture. And I don't know, man, I, I don't it's love the signing, but what do you think about this Reeves signing? It's a lot. Had someone told me that the Leafs 
we're going to get Ryan Reeves. I'd be like, fuck yeah, that's awesome, right? Character guy. He brings something that no one on our team brings. But like most people, I saw the term and I saw the number and I got nervous thinking it's not peanuts for a player who's going to be on your fourth line. And like you said, may not even be in the lineup every night. And then the three years. I think it's a typical Leafs uh, bottom six signing in the way that people react to it. And they have this big opinion, either positive or negative. And I look at it and I'm like, if you think this is an amazing signing, because I saw some takes and I'll get to it in a second. I saw some, some takes that said, Oh my God, this is an amazing deal for the Leafs. Amazing. This is going to change everything. Blah, blah, blah. This guy's going to make these guys feel bigger and play better and all that stuff. And let me guess all those takes were from former hockey players. Very good, Anthony Bruno. Very good. But one's an interesting one. I'm excited to read it. Okay. And then you have the ones, oh my God, this is terrible. What are we doing? We're not going to be able to sign Willie now. You're both wrong. You're both wrong. Does he bring something? Yes. Does it? Does the take hold uh, cement that it's going to make guys feel a little bigger and play better? Yes, of course. You have a police officer. There was a reason why the Edmonton Oilers had Samanko and McSorley. Okay, so Gretzky and Curry and those guys could feel a little more confident and comfortable. So that exists. But at the same time, he's not going to be in the lineup every night. <laughs> and he's going to be on the bench a lot of this, quite often when stuff is happening. And then the people like totally trashing it. It's 1.35 million. 1.35. So the whole thing is, well, what's the number that you would have said, okay, slam dunk? I mean, everyone can say, oh, 800 grand. Or even say a million, but okay, so we're paying him 1.3, and I agree it's a lot, but it's variable. So, really and truly, what's the big problem? And as far as the term goes, Ryan Reeves is loved in this league. He is absolutely loved and respected across the league. If after a year or two, you need to free up some cap space and you're desperate, or it's just not working out, or it's not going according to plan with what you were hoping he could bring. He's not a hard guy to move. Someone will take Ryan Reeves, please. Like you see these horrible contracts that the bottom feeders take on to get to the uh, the cap floor. Someone will take Ryan Reeves with a year left at $1.3 million. And, he, and at that point, he'd probably be happy for the opportunity. And the guys who play on that team would be happy to see him. So it's a typical Leaf signing for the bottom six. If you're excited going bonkers you're wrong and you think if you think it's the shittiest signing of uh, the summer you're wrong it's just it's something that's gonna do <laughs> I, was, I was i almost said it's, it's something that's gonna do something it's gonna have an effect on the team it's gonna have an effect on the team i don't think anyone would disagree with that it's just a matter of is it worth it is it worth the 1.3 million that's the debate when I first saw the signing, I was a little bit concerned. I get, I go, man, three years at 1.35 for Ryan Reeves. And then you see Dom LeCision posting, yes, you know, his analysis <laughs> and how the Leafs are overpaying Reeves by whatever it is, five, 600 K. And then the more I thought about it, I go, he's only making 1.35 million. The cap is projected to go up. This really isn't the end of the world. As you said, I think that was a really good point. It's not the worst signing in the world, and it's also not the best signing in the world. It's somewhere in the middle, and it, it does look like the Leafs had to give him an extra year or two of term in they order did. to secure him because it seems like there was a lot of other teams that were looking to acquire his services. Yeah, Friedman reported he was Minnesota offered him one the same 
amount of money for two years. There you go. So the yeah. Leafs had to tack on an extra year to secure him. The only thing I'm concerned about is is that didn't we just do this with Wayne Simmons? Mm. Toronto guy comes in hard nosed, plays physical, an in your face player, former thirty goal scorer. Wasn't he supposed to change the culture and be that guy on the fourth line who went out there and was the policeman and the enforcer and maybe could pot five to ten goals? Like, didn't we just do that with Wayne Simmons? That's why I'm a little bit confused. Like, unless there's something I don't know about Ryan Reeves and hearing more from him and some former players... I mean, maybe he really is like the best locker room guy in the NHL. Like, I don't know. I've never played in the NHL. I'm not in a locker room. But maybe he really is that good. Maybe he does have that big of an effect on the players that he plays with and that he shares a locker room with. So I'm hoping the Leafs have done their due diligence on this, which I'm sure they have. And Brad Living has been very adamant that, you know, the team is a little bit quiet. Like that was one of the things he said Mm. when he was, when he first came in as GM and he was, you know, conducting interviews and finding out what the team was about and the culture. He did mention that the team was a little bit too quiet, maybe a little bit passive. And Ryan Reeves, I'm sure will inject a lot of energy and physicality. And, you know, he's arguably the toughest guy in the NHL, the best fighter, he hits like crazy. I mean, it's this bad. guy is going to be in your face every single time he's on the ice. And if he does the things off the ice that he said he's going to do, like rallying the troops and making sure everyone's involved and going to dinner on the road and hanging out. One thing he did say is that the worst teams that he's played on, there's been a lot of clicks yeah, in different groups of guys and the best teams that he's played on all the guys get along. Well, our friends off the ice and do things as a team off the ice. So again, maybe we're just completely overanalyzing this and looking and looking into this way more than we should be. But I want to believe that Ryan Reeves will have a positive effect on this team. I just don't think that's going to be a lot come playoff time. Like who knows if he even crack, cracks the lineup in the playoffs, but I don't know. Maybe he gives his team a different look and and along with some of the other additions the Leafs have made, it helps to change the culture a little bit. Yeah, I was going to get to that. The way I, the way my brain wrapped around the Reeves deal, initially I had that feeling of nervousness, like, oh, 1.3 million, three years. When Bertuzzi signed and then Domi signed, I felt a lot better about the Reeves signing. And you mentioned the Simmons thing, and this is no fault to Simmons, but he was kind of the only guy that was willing to do what we're talking about. So it's kind of ineffective. If you're the only guy, like I said, if you're on the bench or if you're in the press box, it's not going to work. Yeah, you can't have one guy playing. Yeah, brutal, brutal. So your, your point about the culture, you add Bertuzzi, you add Domi. Not that they're these huge fighters like, Re- like Reeves is, but they got attitude. They're assholes, and I say that in a complimentary way. They play like assholes. So if you have one on the first line, one on the third line, and one on the fourth line, they all help each other out. So like, if it was just Reeves, I would have rolled my eyes completely and just say, you know what? Yeah, well, this guy's just going to pull a Clarkson and jump over the boards to get into uh, fights with the opponent. But it calmed me down once I saw the other two signings because it kind of harnesses Reeves a bit and puts the expectations on him down a little bit too. 
And you want to talk about a bad signing of an aging player? How about Lou Lamorello giving Patrick Marlowe three years, $6.25 million a year? Mm-hmm. So you think this was bad? Remember back a few years ago when Lou gave Patrick Marlowe three years and $18.75 million. I think that is I think that is underrated. One of the worst deals in Leafs history, just because of the context. You look back to where the cap was and the position we were in. What could those Leafs teams have done with with that amount of cash on the cap? We could have got the number one defensive, like a number one defenseman at that time, another big free agent, and we got what twenty goal Marlowe out of it. It's so sad because oh. it's almost like when you have a star rookie quarterback on a rookie contract. And not even when they're a rookie, you know, their first, whatever, like three, four years in the NFL. We had that with Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner on their rookie contracts. And we could have allocated that salary cap in a much better way. But instead, Lamorello decides to pay Patrick Marlowe, approaching 40 years old, three years, 6.25 million a year. So you want to talk about bad signings? Don't give me this Ryan Reeves three years, 1.35 a year BS. Look yeah. at that Marlowe signing. But anyway, yeah, that's that's enough on Ryan Reeves, Lapore. Well, Bruno, before we move on, I want to read that quote. Okay, okay go ahead. Go ahead. This, this was on Twitter. I don't know if you saw it. And I smiled when I saw this because this former player has totally created a brand on shitting on our beloved Toronto Maple Leafs. And it's because of the response he gets. And he's a smart guy. And we all know what he's trying to do. But it's hilarious to see all the comments and the reaction he gets. But like I said, this guy has made a brand on shitting on the Maple Leafs and getting a response. Mark Mathot. Mark Mathot. Did you see it, Bruno? On Twitter, people hating on the Ryan Reeves signing are all the same ones who simply don't understand the inner dynamics of a locker room, nor do they understand the effectiveness of just having that type of player in the lineup. Everybody will be playing a little bigger in Toronto this year. You're spending 1.3 on the toughest dude in the NHL. Even if he doesn't play every game, who cares? He's an incredible locker room guy, clearly needed in that room. We'll beat the piss out of anyone who wants to fuck around and will make your players play bigger. What's not to like? Okay. okay. I mean, it's Mark Mathot. Yeah, okay, Mark. <laughs> I mean, so... you got to know, he really does feel that way. Because like I said, he never compliments us anything good, anything good about the Leafs. So for him to go out there and put that tweet out, He's, he clearly really and truly feels that way. I'm not surprised. And there's probably a bunch of Mark Mathots around the league, you know, like former players who weren't stars, were grinders in the league and, you know, played not the same style as Ryan Reeves, but a physical style. And they, they've they been in locker rooms. They're all going to have that same take. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I wouldn't take. make too much of that. But it is surprising, Lepore, because like you said, he shits on the Leafs every chance he gets, and he just yeah. praised them for that signing. Yeah, bravo. Cannonball! This summer, it's not about the size of those cannonballs. It's about making a splash with our friends at Manscaped. Prep for barbecue season by making sure your grill master has the hottest dogs the summer's ever seen. Let's when you're go. at the weekend BBQ, let the meat speak for itself with Manscaped's Performance Package 4.0. Mm-hmm. It's time to get ready and not sweaty by going to manscaped.com and using our exclusive promo code GFP20 for 20% off and free shipping. Lapore, 
Manscaped never misses, and you need these products for the summer badly. You absolutely need these products for the summer, Bruno. The only thing worse than hairy balls is hairy balls in the sweaty summer. So get the Performance Package 4.0. Take care of your boys. Go to manscaped.com, and don't you dare forget, use the promo code GFP20 for 20% off and free shipping. It's that time of year where your grooming needs to be on point, gentlemen. Please don't make that mistake. It's the worst. Please don't make that mistake. Do the right thing. Go to manscaped.com for 20% off and free shipping using our exclusive promo code GFP20. That is promo code GFP20 for 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com. All right. John Klingberg. Klingberg. Here's another signing that has people a little bit concerned. One year, 4.15 million. So just to list off a couple of stats here. All right. Over the last four seasons, John Klingberg is a minus 78. (laughs) That is the second worst mark in the NHL over the last four seasons behind only Seth Jones. Nice. But along with that, John Klingberg does a lot of good things with the puck. Now, people will say that he does a lot of bad things with the puck and he's not good defensively, but he knows how to put up points. In 619 career games, he has 407 points. He has 39 points in 63 playoff games. He had a really good run when Dallas made the cup final in Mm 2019-2020. He had 21 points in 26 games. So... I'm getting a lot of Tyson Berry vibes with John Klingberg, and I know he's taller. Like, John Klingberg is 6'3". He's bigger than Tyson Berry. But they both run a power play really well. They can both put up points. And the negative side is their defensive games. Yeah, John Klingberg has been trending down defensively the last number of years, and that's the one concern I have. But the thing that I keep telling myself about this signing is that he can't possibly in a million years be worse than Justin Hall. Yeah, exactly. I mean, maybe he is. Maybe he's going to be worse defensively than Justin Hall, but I would like to think with his offensive production, it's going to be better than what we got from Justin Hall over the last number of years. 100%. I totally thought the same thing, because when you're seeing who's going out and who's coming in, you're playing that game. Okay, well, did we get better there with that money and this money? But as far as Klingberg goes, there was that take on him. I mean, it's... A long time ago now a lot of people thought and i assume a big part of it was that it was because he played in dallas that he was like the most underrated defenseman in the league you heard that take oh he this guy should be nominated for a norris he moves the puck he can skate all that stuff and early, look up those seasons early in dallas he was putting up markers man he was like he was he was a plus offensively as far as his numbers went anyway the way i see this deal and again the risk of it one year one year what's the worst that can happen he's going to put up points and one thing i think that's not getting spoken about enough about the domi bertuzzi and klingberg signings is the team we had last year if I remember correctly they had what the third best power play in the league and the second best power second play. I have it yeah. right here i can confirm that for you lapore last season the leaves Wait a second. No, that's the year before. Yep, second in the NHL. Second. The year before that, they had the best power play. There you go. Really? But number one? Yeah, number one in 2021-2022. Okay. okay. And last year, they were second. Funny, I don't remember that. Um, 
it was the year before that they went like 20 games out of power play goal. <laughs> Remember that streak? Yeah, that was that one. But so I look at us having a, an elite power play, number two in the league, like you just said. The number one power play unit is Riley, Marner, Nylander, Tavares, Matthews. Okay, look out. Look out. Our second unit, what was it, Kerfoot? I think Kampf got on there. Giordano. You knew as, first, as soon as that first line went off, we weren't scoring. You added Klingberg now to that second unit, however they want to dance it around, but you added Klingberg. I assume Domi is going to get some power play time because of his uh, offensive abilities. And Bertuzzi is going to get going to be on the power play. So in my mind, we had the number two power play in the league uh, last year, and we just significantly upgraded it. Significantly upgraded it. So I'm not going to say that's enough for me to say that I want to give a high five with regard to the Klingberg signing, but it's something impactful. Very impactful. And over the course of a season, that's going to get you more points and more wins. And certain people, like we mentioned before, about how certain people are always going to point to the bruiser guy and want him on the team, whatever. My thing with D, or my thing with all players for that matter, can you skate? Can you move the puck? Because if you can do that, you have that every night. If you can move your feet, you can move your feet every night. If you can move the puck and you have that ability, that talent just doesn't go away. So I'm sure they were very calculated when they were thinking about making this signing. They're going to harness him five on five, put him with the right guy. I think they already said he's probably going to be with, a lot of people are saying he's going to be with McCabe, right, or Brody. So we'll see what happens there. But all in all, it's a one-year deal. This guy's going to be playing with talented players. He can run a power play. He's going to get scored on because he sucks at the track meet game, but I'm okay with it. I like the Klingberg signing. Yeah. If this was a three or four year deal oh, or a five, five year yeah. deal, I'd be yeah. very concerned, like very, very concerned. But the fact that it's only a one year deal, I think it's totally fine. Do I love it? No, but I actually think it's a pretty solid signing, honestly. And I think he's going to be in a really good situation in Toronto because when you compare the Leafs to the Anaheim Ducks, who he spent a large portion of the season with last year, signing a one-year $7 million deal with them before getting traded to the Wild at the deadline. He played 50 games with the Ducks last season. And when he was on the ice at 5-on-5, the Ducks were outscored 56-32. It was ugly. But then when he was traded to the Wild in 17 games with Minnesota, the Wild outscored their opponents 12-7 with Klingberg on the ice at five oh, on five. Oh, there you go. And his other, you know, his underlying numbers weren't great. Like he yeah. was still, they were still outscoring teams with him on the ice at five on five, even though he was in the negatives and like Corsi and, mm. you know, scoring chances and high danger scoring chances. But I think the Leafs are, are betting on themselves really. And just having the mindset that Klingberg playing on this team, which has been one of the best defensive teams in the NHL under Sheldon Keefe, I think they think that he's going to be fine in this system. And sure, there's going to be nights and there's going to be moments where we're all watching Klingberg being like, what the hell did he just do? That was horrible. This looks like Tyson Berry or this looks like Dion Phaneuf. But I think there's also going to be nights where Klingberg has three assists or a goal and two assists and and rips one home on the power play and works some magic offensively. There's going to be nights like that as well. 
And listen, this is a team that has struggled to score in the playoffs. They yeah. scored 14 goals in their last seven playoff games this past season. Yeah. And I'm not saying that Klingberg is going to come in and be the answer to that, but if they can get some more offense from the back end, because last year it was literally just Morgan Riley. It was Morgan Riley and nothing offensively right. from the rest of the defense core. So right. I think true living wants to inject some more offense into the blue line. And this definitely does that. Yeah. I remember telling the story on the pod about, uh, uh, my good friend who coaches at a high level and what he took from the Florida series was that Toronto couldn't get the puck to the forwards. And that's why Florida beat them. He's like straight up Toronto's a better team and everyone's shitting on uh, uh, Matthews and Marner. But if you can't get the puck to them, well, they can't do anything. So clearly they've added a body who can fire that puck up the ice and find guys in the right spots. And especially with Muzzin being out of the lineup in his mm. career, being in jeopardy, Last year, you had Hall and Giordano in the playoffs trying to move the puck up. Um, TJ Brody, who I really like, but then you have Brody and McCabe. Like, they're not really offensive guys. The only, like, legit puck mover was Morgan Riley. And what was actually kind of sad is that Luke Shen emerged as, like, one of the league's best puck movers, which yeah. was completely insane because he was, like, really efficient at making the first pass and getting the puck out of the zone in the playoffs. And that just can't happen. You can't have him as like your second best puck mover in the playoffs. So I think Klingberg will help this team more than he will hurt this team. Were we not? Were the Leafs not? I don't know if they were dead last, but they were definitely near the bottom uh, as far as goals from defensemen went. Yeah, I'm pretty sure they were bottom five. I don't have the exact Horrible. number in front of me, but I believe they were bottom five in the NHL. Which is kind of crazy for a team that put up 111 points. Right. I'm it's sure that I'm sure the other teams at the bottom were the teams who were at the bottom of the standings. Exactly. All right, let's move on to the next signing. So we're gonna go in order. Sure. Tyler Bertuzzi. Yeah. After the Reeves signing and the Klingberg signing, and people were like, What the hell is Treliving doing? He's setting yep. this team back. Yeah. All of a sudden, everything changed when he yeah. signed Tyler Bertuzzi a guy that was one of the most sought-after free agents on the market, and a lot of people thought he was going to get a long-term deal, maybe a 5 by 5 but he signs one year, $5.5 million with the Leafs. It seems like the perfect replacement for Michael Bunting. I think he's an upgrade on Michael Bunting. Mm -hmm. He can play on the first line. He can play on the second line. He can play on the power play. He puts up points. He's a 30-goal scorer. He scored 30 goals two seasons ago. Last year, a little bit of a rough season, and he has had injury issues. He hasn't been the most durable guy. But then in the playoffs with Boston Lepore, he had 10 points in seven games. Yeah. Five goals, five assists. He He's he's kind of an asshole on the ice, too. Like He'll get time. under your skin. He'll throw some hits here and there. I mean, I don't think there's anything to to dislike about this signing at all. No, I, I haven't heard one take that was against the signing. And again, he can be an asshole. There's that clip. Was it Bennett from Florida that he took a stick and broke it on the bench? We've, we've never had a player like that. We've never had anything like that. There's a, there's also the other clip going around of him in Red Wings training camp. And he's in a one-on-one -on -one and he, his move, he has the puck and he just whacks the defenseman's stick out of his hand and then goes in and scores like totally hilarious but again we don't have those types of personalities on the team it's a good deal for us and i think this is a total handshake for both teams five stars because bertuzzi 
this deal is brilliant for him. Absolutely fucking brilliant. People, like you said, were shocked that he didn't sign a long-term deal somewhere. Betting on he, himself. He's going to bet on himself in Toronto. He knows who he's who he's going to play with. You think of all the combinations, you assume they're going to start him with Matthews and Marner. Okay. Michael Bunting put up 60 points playing with those two guys. So what's Bertuzzi going to do? Number one. Number two, let's face it. The increased spotlight of playing in Toronto, it's good attention. It gets it you paid, as we've seen. Yeah, it can be bad attention, but when you're putting up points, everyone gets inflated. I see it going very well. Very, very, very well. To the point where we're going to be really disappointed to see this guy go a year from now. Because he's going to sign like an eight times nine or so you can't sign eight, but say seven years at like $9 million or something. Cause I could see him putting up like 75 points playing, playing in these situations with these guys. So I think it's a brilliant move for him. Brilliant. Go get paid son to get advantage of that attention and go get them. And we'll reap the benefits in the meantime. Yeah. It was great for both parties because from Tyler Bertuzzi's side of things, Clearly a five by five wasn't on the table or whatever he was looking for. Maybe he was looking for 6 million plus. So he figured where's the best landing spot for me where I can rip it up in one year, become a free agent a year from now and get paid a ridiculous amount of money and potentially be the highest paid free agent on the market. And it's a perfect landing spot. Mm. He has a way higher ceiling than Michael Bunting. Like, really, it's in the realm of possibility. Like you said, Lapore, like this dude could put up almost a point per game. 100%. Two years from now, on the Red Wings, he had 30 goals and 62 points in 68 games. There you go. So if this dude stays healthy, if this dude sticks on the top line, and maybe he won't get the same production if he's on the second line for the majority of the season, but if he sticks with Matthews and Marner, and that's the combination Keith goes with, there's there's a possibility. It's in the realm of possibilities that this dude can put up like 70 to 75 points and yeah. score 30 goals. And then next year, he'd obviously obviously be gone. Unless Lapore, unless something happens with William Nylander, which yeah. I hope, I hope to God that doesn't happen. And then all mm. of a sudden there's all this cap space. And then Bertuzzi signs long term with the Leafs. But it does seem like if everything goes well. He's probably not going to be a leaf past this season. Yeah, I mean, barring one of the big guys getting dealt, it's kind of tough to see. Had the opportunity been on the table, Bertuzzi at five times five, would you have done it? I think so, yeah. Yeah, I think I would too. I think I would too. I mean, five million, it's not going to be a disaster. Like you look at the pros and cons and what's the best case scenario and the worst case scenario. It's not going to be bad. I mean, unless he, unless there was injuries, but... No, I think I think I would have signed that deal. I just think, I don't know, man. I, I don't know what the market is. I, I, I got to say it. I'm still surprised. And maybe it's just a matter of nobody having any cap space. I'm still surprised he didn't get six times seven or something. Maybe, maybe that's more what he was looking for. Maybe yeah. I'm undercutting it a bit, saying a five by five. Maybe he was looking for six to seven million and it just wasn't available. Yeah, he's going to get it next year. That's, is that a bet somewhere? What is uh, the over-under on what uh, Bertuzzi's AAV is going to be in his next contract? Oh, man. Yeah. It's it's, uh, nice. I, I think he's in for a for a big payday. And it, it, it's unfortunate because all these guys, and because of the salary cap, all, all these guys that the Leafs have had outside of the core four that have big years in their free agent season, they're all gone. Yeah. Zach Hyman, gone. Michael Bunting, gone. 
Tyler Bertuzzi probably gone. It's it's happening all around the league. Like look at look at Tampa having to trade guys every year. Yeah. It's unfortunate, man. Um, and you know, people will say that the Leafs don't manage their cap well, but really it's a reality with a lot of the top teams in the league. You kind of got to lock up your core and sure the Leafs core gets paid more than other teams cores, but you lose guys like this. You lose like those secondary guys that are really important to winning because of the stupid salary cap. But yeah, you mentioned Tampa. I mean, Leafs fans bitch or complain about how much the salary cap is. The salary cap has fucked us. It's fucked Tampa. Big time, it's fucked Tampa. They haven't been able to hold hold on to their bottom six, right? Because yeah. those guys, those guys all go and get paydays. Yeah, no, it's it's so true. Like the Tampa Bay Lightning that we saw, you know, get to what did they get to? Five Stanley Cup, fi- four Stanley Cup finals, I believe, yeah. in six years. Is that the? Yeah, I think that's, the, that's number. the number. Six conference finals. Okay, that's what I was <laughs> looking for. Not bad. I don't think we're gonna see that anytime soon with uh, the Tampa Bay Lightning. I mean, they're still going to be a good team, but every year they just keep losing guys. Mm -hmm. Anyway, let's move on to the next big leap signing. And not that it's a huge signing or anything, but they secured Max Domi. One year, three million, the son of Leafs legend Ty (laughs) Domi. And according to Brad Living, and I guess Max Domi himself, he has been dying to play for the Leafs his entire life. Yeah. You know, when you grow up the son of a Leafs legend and you're in the city and in the locker room and at the rink all the time, I mean, you you just knew when Max Domi entered the NHL that this was going to happen at some point. Mm. You knew it was going to happen, and I'm glad it happened at this point because he's pretty much in his prime right now, 28 years old, coming off a really good season, had 56 points in 80 games playing with the Blackhawks and the Stars. Had a really good playoff run with the Dallas Stars, 13 points in 19 games. Another guy, as we talked about, who's kind of an asshole on the ice, is tough to play against. It's not like he's out there throwing hits and being physical, but he's kind of a shit disturber, and he can put up points. And again, this is a Leafs team that, believe it or not, contrary to popular belief, has had trouble scoring goals. When it matters most, and this is a guy that you can inject into your top six. He can play on the third line. He can play on the first or the second power play unit. I mean, it's impossible not to like this signing either. Bradshaw Living, bravo. First, it was Tyler Bertuzzi, then Max Domi. I'm really happy about this one. Yeah, tidy work. And it always feels good when there's a player who genuinely wants to play for your favorite hockey team. It makes you feel all warm and fuzzy inside. And the fact that his dad played for the Leafs as well is just perfect. He's 28 years old, man. How many teams has he been on? Five, six? He's Rough. been around the block, man. Yeah, because there was Montreal. Sorry, we dra- drafted by Arizona, then went to Montreal. He was in Columbus, Carolina. Where else? And then Chicago, Chicago Dallas. Chicago and Dallas. Oh One, two, three, four, five, six. The Leafs will be his seventh team. Seventeen. Oh my God. Brutal. I mean, but this is how I see this is how I see the Domi deal. And it's kind of how I see the collection of work from Brad Living. And we Bruno and I go on rants all the time about how much we're underlying numbers, guys. We love our advanced stats. But I've always hated the art the the argument that it's a hundred percent advanced stats, or I've and I've hated the argument that it's a hundred percent the other way. Though advanced stats are useless, like no, it's somewhere in the middle, guys. It's it's an effective tool to measure things, 
But where I go away from advanced stats is almost like kind of my own analogy on hockey. To me, when you're putting a team together, when you are building a team that's trying to win the Stanley Cup, the best teams are the teams that have an amazing cast of characters. And that's how I always put it. And I look at the Tampa Bay Lightning. To me, they're still the best team. I mean, they lost guys now again, but they're still the best team because to me, they had the best cast of characters. They have the scores. They have points, Stamkos, Kucherov. They have their Russian goalie, who's, I mean, one of the best goalies of this generation. They have the big Swedish defenseman, but then you go deeper in the lineup. You get the Kalorns, the Sorellis, those guys. When you watch that team and when you see that lineup, you know that each and every one of them really and truly serves a purpose. They're there for a reason. If they don't score well, they're rubbing someone out. Or if they can't contribute this way on the power play where they're that guy giving you the face face wash in the scrum. And a criticism I will have about Leaf, Leafs teams of previous seasons is, and it's no criticism to those players because some of them are nice players. I just think we had too many players who even though some of them, you know, they could contribute and do and do some good stuff. I didn't really know their purpose. And I liked Alex Kerfoot as a player. I really did. Guy was a Hobie Baker finalist. He's had a good career in the NHL. But he's one of those guys where I look at, and I just think, I can't help but think to myself, okay, well, is he physical? No. Is he going to be an asshole? No. Does he put up a ton of points? No. Does he make a line way better? No, he's just pretty good at everything. Kind of like Engvall. It's like, well, he's good at a lot of things. But again, what type of character is he? What does he bring to this team that we don't have? And I look at these guys who were brought in. Domi, Bertuzzi, Reeves. I mean, lesser extent, Klingberg, because he's an offensive defenseman. But to me, those three guys, I you know why they're there. It's clear and obvious you know why they're there. And that's that that's my rant on how like how I see the Domi signing like Domi versus Kerfoot you can compare their points whatever I don't care about that I really and truly don't compare about that because there's that dinosaur Don Jerry Rock'em Sock'em watcher in me still that knows Domi's more effective in the playoffs that just knows that that it's he, he's he's gonna get away with things that he wouldn't get away with normally and you're not going to win a series because of Alex Kerfoot. And you're probably not going to win a series because of Max Domi, but because of an overall better cast of characters, you have a better chance to win that series. And you know what you're saying here, Lepore? The Leafs never had an identity. Exactly. It's kind of crazy because as good as the Leafs have been, let's say since Sheldon Keefe came into the league, and we talked about this on the last podcast, since he became head coach of the Leafs, they have the fourth best record in the NHL. All right. But despite that, despite, you know, getting 110 to 115 points every year, they've lacked an identity. And you said it, man. It's like, what purpose was Kerfoot serving and Engvall and even like Justin Hall? Yeah. It's like, exactly. what, when you think about the Leafs, never mind the playoffs, even in the regular season, like, what was really their identity? They were and just people nice. will point <laughs> to, oh, they get, they score all these goals and rack up all these points. But, Honestly, not really. Like that was the Babcock Leafs. <laughs> like last year, offensively, the Leafs were ninth in the league in goals per game. Ninth. Mm. 
in the previous years, going back like five, six years, they had finished in the top five, like almost every year. Last year, ninth in the league in goals per game. They were getting better defensively, but even though they were getting better defensively every year under Sheldon Keith, they were still lacking an identity. And I think Dubis tried to take one last swing at the trade deadline, picking up Nola Chari and Luke yeah. Shen and Ryan O'Reilly and Jake McCabe. I think he almost finally came to his senses and said, listen, this team is too soft. This team is lacking an identity. And it was just, there wasn't enough time for them to like truly gel and find their true identity as a team, even though they got to the second round of the playoffs. And I'm not making any excuses, but I think Kyle Dubas finally realized that. And who knows, maybe he did plan on trading Nylander or Marner. And maybe that was a factor in why Brendan Shanahan fired him. Who knows? And we might never know that. But I think bringing in all the players that Tre Living has brought in so far, again, as you said, with the exception of John Klingberg, it's really going to add to the identity of this team. And you would hope that come playoff time, this team's going to be tough to play against and they're actually going to be comfortable in their skin and everyone's going to know their role and maybe they're going to go on a nice run, which we've been saying for the last number of years. But maybe it's finally going to happen this time. Yeah, the way I put it, and I've always felt this way, is you know a team has the right guys when you're at a game and you're looking around and you see the jerseys people are wearing. I mean, it's the Leafs. So, you know, you walk into Scotiabank, you're going to see Matthews, Marner, Nylander, Tavares, Riley. Like you're going to see those ones, right? But there's those teams that you go into their buildings and they have the guy, the guys on the other side of the lineup. I can see a Domi jersey. I can picture some of the, yeah, I'm going to get a Domi jersey. There's going to be someone who's going to get a Reeves jersey. You're going to see the guy who just loves Ryan Reeves. Bertuzzi, I don't know, he's probably only going to be here for one year, so you may not see, though. People invest in those. But I'm sure people will be happy to buy it. And whereas until now, literally was one Pierre Engvall jersey sold outside of his family. I don't Alex, think I've ever seen anyone wear Pierre Engvall or Alex Kerfoot. Jersey. Justin Justin Hall. Oh my God! Can you? So the only not, players who wore, or the only people who wore those jerseys, were literally the players themselves. Yeah, tough, eh? Tough, but, but like, look, remember, like the Sun Dean Leafs. What was like exactly. one of the most worn jerseys you would see? It would like Darcy Tucker, Tucker and Domi, Shane Corson. You'd see those ones everywhere, right? Those are the jerseys you saw. I mean, obviously, like, Sundin's a legend. He's my favorite Leaf ever, and I have a Sundin jersey. You saw a lot of that, but a lot of people love Darcy Tucker and Gary Roberts. Gary Roberts, Roberts, another one of my favorite all-time Leafs. Like, those are the jerseys you saw around at the time, Air Canada Center and even Maple Leaf Gardens, because those were, like, the blue-collar guys that the city rallied behind. I think the Leafs need to bring that back, and maybe this is the start of that. So, yeah. As much as we love our stats and our numbers and every and all all our analytics, Lapore, at at the heart of things, we are still you know two guys that played hockey, that cheered for those Leafs teams growing up, and I think we do see the value in that, and I think Treliving does as well. And I don't know, I mean, call us dinosaurs, but I think it's really going to help this team. Yeah, yeah. All right, let's uh, let's move on to the next topic now. And we've kind of already touched on this a little bit, but are you sad to see anyone go? Any Mm. of the Leafs free agents from this past season, Ryan O'Reilly, Michael Bunting, Alex Kerfoot, 
Justin oh, Hall, uh, Eric Gustafson, who was oh, here geez. for a cup of coffee. Yeah. Are you sad to see any of these guys go, Lapore? Uh, I'll start off by saying uh, the woman upstairs is ab- absolutely devastated that Alex Kerfoot no longer plays for Uh-oh. the Toronto Maple Leafs. Yeah, my wife uh, has been in a bad mood for a few days. I've tried to stay away. Uh, I don't know. Maybe I'll surprise her with a Coyotes jersey <laughs> with Kerfoot on it. But sad to see any of them go. I don't know if I was in the minority here, but I wasn't rattled at all that O'Reilly didn't re-sign. I like the player, but he's not fleet of foot. And as we were just touching on, we need help scoring goals. We need help. We need help moving the puck. I di- I didn't see it. I, I didn't think it was a good fit. And again, I like him as a player. And I think he's a, he'll be effective on certain teams. But just in Toronto, I was like, you know what? I, I wanted to move on. Um, Justin Hall. Justin Hall is Justin Hall. So and we've gone on our rants about Justin Hall on this show. Good for so him. he got 10 exactly. million plus from the Red Wings. Good Ex- for him. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't understand. We, we talk about these GMs and deals they give away. I, I don't understand. I, I don't understand that one for the life of me. Bunting. It's going to sound kind of weird because there are certain guys you really want to see because of the struggle they've had to get in the league or the struggle they've had in their life. You're happy to see them get paid. Bravo, Michael Bunting. Bravo. We live in a world where, and people don't want to admit this, the Hockey Canada people don't want to admit this, but most of these kids who are making the NHL are coming from upper-class families. Their parents are playing, are paying for AAA hockey and these academies and these clinics and elite coaching. And unfor- the unfortunate reality is the story of the kid who's from Saskatchewan growing up playing on the outdoor rink and makes it to the NHL is done. Now it's that kid whose father is a partner at a financial firm on Bay Street and has him in a, at a $25,000 a year hockey academy. So when someone like Michael Bunting, Scarborough boy, and the story with him is he wasn't even playing AAA growing up because his mom couldn't afford it. When a guy like that can get past that, make the NHL, play for the Toronto Maple Leafs, the city he grew up in, go get paid Michael Bunting. I was so happy, like genuinely happy that he signed that deal. He wasn't going to get it with us. We wouldn't have the room for it. And I don't even know if a negotiation was even there, to be honest, but good for him for getting paid. Shen would have been nice. Shen would have, I think everyone would have been happy with a, a Shen signing, but not for what he got. No, 2.75 million. I'm sorry. That's that's a little too steep for Luke Shen. When he Did was you... almost out of the league, like a couple of years ago, I know he was really good in the playoffs and I'm the first guy to say that I love the way he played in the playoffs, but my lord, that's a little bit too steep. Did you go on Cap Friendly and look at Shen's most recent, I don't know even how many years, it's like league men, 1 million a year, 1 million a year, some time in the AHL. Again, like you said, they thought he was out of the league. He plays a couple months in Toronto and then he signs that deal. So that point we made about Bertuzzi earlier, that exists. Whether people want to admit to it or not, that totally exists. But again, good for him. He's had a good career. He's got his cups. Go get paid. I think the only one among Leafs fans that I say is not even a debate that we wish could have went our way is Achari. I think that when people, everyone across the board, and even for what he signed for, I think Leafs fans would have been okay with it. It was three years at two million, right? Is yeah, what he with got. Pittsburgh. Yeah, so it's nice. It's not a bad signing, and he brings a lot. So I think that's the one that that's a kind of kick in the nuts. But as far as the other ones go, it was guys I was you know kind of bored with, or 
guys who were here a short term, a short time, like Shen, you know, go get paid, man. So Achari is the only one for me. I'll say it. Yeah. I think it would have been nice to see Achari come back at that number. I'm, I'm so happy for Michael Bunting as well. Like couldn't be happier for that guy getting the bag with Carolina. Would have loved to see him come back. Like he was at, he was number one on my list. Like I'm going to be sad to see him go. Um, I don't care that the Leafs lost Ryan O'Reilly. I can't tell you how many people reached out to me when he signed with Nashville and they were think and they were saying, what the hell were the Leafs thinking? Why didn't we sign him? I said, think about it for a second. All right. I know what he's done in the past. I know he's won a Stanley cup and a con Smythe. Our top three centers would have been Austin Matthews, John Tavares, and Ryan O'Reilly. Two of the three can't skate. And you wanted that to be our center depth down the middle. And I know we all rallied behind that last season, but that was one of the things that was kind of concerning me. I'm like, slow. Okay, yeah. I'm glad they got O'Reilly at the trade deadline, but like he's fallen off a cliff offensively. And I, it's a good, you know, it was a good trade, but I don't love it. Like, there could have been a better move here, and the Leafs probably would have had to tra trade like Matthew Nyes at the deadline to get a better player if they wanted to get like Timo Meyer or somebody like that. But yeah, I am not sad to see Ryan O'Reilly go at all. Um, good for him getting a four-year deal at Nashville. But uh, yeah, Michael Bunting is the guy I wish could have stayed, but obviously the salary cap uh, doesn't let you doesn't let you have nice things. So Lapore, is it safe to say? that the Leafs are better this season than they were last season, because I sure as hell think they are. I think they are. When I you replace are. Bunting and Kerfoot and even Yarncroke, I'm thinking of guys that were playing in the top six last year with Tyler Bertuzzi and Max Domi, who can play in the top six, and John Klingberg on the blue line, as we said, who's kind of like a Justin Hall replacement, you know, right-handed defenseman, six foot three, I mean, the Leafs are, I think, without a doubt, a better team than yeah. they were last season. Yeah, I think they're, I think, I guess the only, the only way you can, the only place where you can say, you know what, they're probably not better is on D, just because, I mean, they lost Shen, and I mean, Hall was a guy who had his steadiness sometimes, and you get Klingberg, who's kind of a, kind of a wild card, but the word is on the street that Trilving wants to still add to the D, wants to make a change. Yeah, they're definitely but, not done on defense. As I made the point earlier, the power play is significantly better. And I went on a natural star trek to see how they had the uh, the leaf shaped up. And when you even beyond the insertion of these new guys to see the guys that are pushed down now, like now Yarncroft, they had Yarncroft on our third line. That's, that's where he, he belongs. That's him. But that's impact as far as making the team better. 100%, instead of having him on the second line with Tavares and, and Nylander, drop him down to the third line where he should have been all along. Yeah, and they had Bertuzzi on the top line with Matthews and Marner. They had Nyes on the second line, and we just got a glimpse of Nyes. That's another thing. We haven't even talked about Matthew Nyes. Yeah. That's another so, guy. He's going to be playing a full season with this team. My mm -hmm. goodness. One name, it's almost, it's almost kind of shocking because it's the Toronto Maple Leafs, Robertson. Like, I know there's the injury and all that, but people are almost kind of done with it completely. Like, this thing is done. He looked good before he got hurt. So who knows? If he put the time in, gets his rehab, he can come back and maybe fight for a spot, like, in the top nine. I mean, I don't know if it's the type of guy you want on the fourth line because the style of player he is. But I think they're better. I I, I think slam dunk. I, th I think they're better. And as I mentioned before, 
my uh, cheesy terminology of the importance of a good cast of characters, they have a way better cast of characters. So I don't think it's up for debate, Bruno. The Toronto Maple Leafs are better now than they were a week ago. Yeah, it's really hard to disagree with that. And again, I didn't even mention Matthew Nyes. You insert Bertuzzi and Nyes into the top six. And Domi, even though I said he could play in the top six, ideally you have him on the third line, whether as a third line center. I mean, the good thing about Domi is very versatile. But when I look at the Leafs' top six to nine forward group, this is the best top six to nine they have had in a long time. Definitely. Like maybe since like the Connor Brown and Zach Hyman days and when Patrick Marlowe wasn't over the cliff and Nazem Kadri was still here. Like, I think you got to go back to then to, to see a forward group again in the top six to nine that was this deep on the Toronto Maple Leafs. So without a question, the Leafs are definitely better this year than they were last year. Before we close out the podcast, we don't have too much time, Lapore. We got to talk about Matthews and Nylander. So here's the situation, all right? <laughs> We're going to be segment. pissed off because it looks like Matthews is going to sign a three-year deal and be a complete diva and think he's an NBA star and sign for like three years at $13.5 million. Then he's going to cash in and sign like a 15 or $16 million long-term contract. We, I, like, we know that's probably going to happen, barring a miracle at this point. But the Nylander situation, man, this is concerning now. Okay. I don't think people realize how important William Nylander actually is to this team and how good he has actually played in the playoffs compared to the other top guys. And just his ability to create his own offense and to skate the puck through the neutral zone when there's not a lot of space in the playoffs and there's there's not a lot of room out there. He's a guy that can do these things better than Austin Matthews at times, better than Mitch Marner. So to lose this guy is going to be devastating. Oh, Bruno, it's, you're acting like he's out the door. You think he's done? I'm, you think I'm he's scared, gone? man, because based on the recent reports, he's looking for like $10 million a year, yeah. and the Leafs don't want to give him more than $9 million. What, what do you think is going to happen here? I can't say I'm, I'm not worried at this point because this is going exactly how I would have expected it to go. And all these reports on his number versus the Leafs number. It's just so Toronto Maple Leafs in the way that we're talking about this. So Nylander wants 10 million. Okay. That's a little high. Like everyone knows that's a little high. The Leafs eight. We all know he's not going to sign for eight. So what happens? They're going to shake hands and meet in the middle. If they both want to, if they're nickel and diming a hundred, a few hundred grand here and there, who knows? But it's just at this point, this is where I expect the negotiation to be the team completely lowballing and the player wanting more than he deserves. So I, I'm not, I'm not worried at this point and I'll point it out to people, everyone freaking out. I know it's hard because these are good players and it's your team. Pasternak signed his extension in March in March. Was there chatter during the season about him leaving this and that drama? Ooh, he wants to, you don't think, you don't think on that first day on, on July one of last year, Pasternak's camp was like, Oh, David wants 13 million. Of course, that's probably what they came in with. And the Bruins were like, yeah, maybe 10. And then they met somewhere. And I'm not saying that I'm, ex I'm completely expecting them to meet somewhere. It's just at this point, I'm not worried because at this point it's where I expect the negotiations to be. Yeah, I, I don't know, Lapore. I'm a little bit more concerned, and I hear you. And, you know, <laughs> it, it seems like totally logical that 
Nylander's camp is going to come in with a massive number and the Leafs are going to low ball. It's like, you know, negotiating 101, then hopefully they meet in the middle. But I'm a little bit concerned here just because I, I don't know. I'm in the camp that Nylander is a lot more valuable than I think most of the Leafs nation realizes and losing that guy. And again, I'm happy that they got Bertuzzi and Domi and Nyes is going to be a full-time player. But you need guys like William Nylander. Like, you so badly need players like this come playoff time. And I think it has been glaringly obvious the last two years how valuable this guy is when the going gets tough in the playoffs. And like I said, when there's not a lot of room. And to lose him over, I don't know, 1.5 to 2 million, if it if it comes down to that, I really hope that doesn't happen. I'm just a little bit concerned here because... I don't know if they can risk doing what the Bruins did. Maybe they can. Maybe Nylander in March is just like, all right, fuck it. I'm going to sign now. But God forbid, Laporte, the Leafs are like, you know, about to win the President's Trophy and going to the playoffs. And, you know, like the trade deadline has passed and Nylander's still on the team. It's like, then he's probably gone. And then you didn't get anything for him. So I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit concerned. Yeah, see, I know I'm going to be in the minority here, but I think in today's world with a salary cap, losing a player for nothing doesn't mean what it used to. And people are going to say, what are you talking about? Yeah, of course, if you could trade William Nylander and get something for him, you'd get a haul for him. Of course, it's nice. Of course. But then, okay, let's say Nylander walks. Well, then maybe we can extend Bertuzzi. And then with that other money, put it somewhere else in free agency or some guy we would have lost anyway. So, of course, it sucks. And I don't want that to happen. But there's this big fear of, of guys walking. And I'll be honest, Bruno, Nylander's very, very good value. Very, very good value at his current deal. Okay. If I'm getting to that point of I'm really and truly assuming he's not going to extend with us. I may keep them. I may keep them because I don't. What are the odds there's going to be a deal out there that makes us better? We're probably you, losing any deal exactly. involving Nylander. Hockey wise, so maybe you get picks, prospects, and then it's up for debate, whatever. But as far as the actual 2023, 2024 Toronto Maple Leafs go, we're probably going to get worse. And we have a good group of players here. We just said we think this team got even better. They have a chance to do something. So. I wouldn't be devastated if they'd say, you know what? Fuck it. We're going to let this ride. And even then, you can still negotiate with them. You can still sign with you. It's just, we're not going to get worse. We're not going to make any move this season with this group we have that makes us worse. And and debate that too. The trade that you would um, that you would have to pull off with Nylander, if you compare that to the loss of his value now, that again, it's hard. It's, it's hard to win that. Because that that value, even if it is for the future or whatever, to give that up for this season is brutal. So I can, if it was me, man, I think I'd ride it out. I'd ride it out. And, oh, that's ballsy, man. But, but Bruno, the thing the thing comes down to it comes down to it too is these are humans. If he wants to be here, he fucking wants to be here. If he doesn't want to, he doesn't want to. So whatever, man. Whatever. If you're gonna sign him or you're not. And then you and let's let's face it, Bruno. Like let's talk as humans here, okay? What the Leafs are going to finally adjust to in the way of an offer is going to be 
in the realm of what the market is. It's going to be a few hundred grand. It's not like the Leafs are going to offer him, say, 8.8, like the Meyer deal. And then someone's going to offer him like 11. Like, it's not going to be like that. So what for a few, if you really want to be here for a few hundred grand, you're going to go somewhere else. No, then you don't want to be here. So that's, that's the way I see it. But if, the, if there is a move, I guess, like now that I said all this, it has to happen now because then you can make a move that makes the team better. And then you can adjust even at the deadline to make yourself even better. But I, I'm not worried, man. I, I, everyone knows how much I hate the salary cap. I just think that's the world we're living in. And this is what every team goes through. These stresses is just the Toronto Maple Leafs. So we're going to freak out because we love them so much. This is a really special forward group on paper right now with William Nylander. And I'm hoping it doesn't get broken up and I'm hoping, you know, we don't wake up one morning over the next week and Brad for living has traded him for a defenseman or something like that. I really hope that's not the case, but we're going to have to wait and see. And it's uh, starting to drive us all nuts that we don't have clarity on, you know, two of the Leafs best players and whether they're going to be re-signing. But before we wrap up this podcast, Lepore, is there anything else you want to get off your chest? Congratulations to all the guys who signed and got big, big money. Go get the bread, man. Go get it. It's awesome. You made you made the NHL. Go get paid. <laughs> you said it. And you know what? As much as we hate seeing players go and we get all pissed off and we want our teams to be, you know, perfectly... You, we want all the money to be perfectly allocated under the yeah. salary cap. Sometimes guys are just going to go out and get the bag. And, exactly. you know, I'm happy for guys like Michael Bunting. Wish he could have stayed a Leaf. Same with Luke Shen. But sometimes it just doesn't work and they're going to go get the bag. So kudos to them. Exactly. All right. That is going to do it for episode 109 of the Gluttons for Punishment podcast or GFP. A Toronto Maple Leafs and NHL podcast hosted by Michael Lepore and Anthony Bruno. If you are a longtime listener or you're just listening to us for the first time and you really enjoyed the show, it would be a big time help if you can give us a five-star rating and review on either Apple or Spotify. And if you're watching us on YouTube and really enjoyed this show, smash the like button, subscribe to the channel, leave a comment down below, and ring the notification bell so you know exactly when the GFP podcast is posting some new content. We're going to be on Matthews and Nylander Contract Watch. And maybe trade watch. Who knows? Maybe Brad Treliving is gonna he's gonna make a big splash. We've seen him do it in the past with Calgary, but we are gonna be all over it. We will keep you posted. But until then, continue enjoying your summer and the great weather. And we will talk to you very, very soon. Stay cool. Thanks, everyone. Oh,